You are locked into another episode of Meg Talks, the people's platform home to queer POC millennial conversation. Big up yourself if you're locked in for the first time and respect and manners. If you're tuned in for another episode, you can find every single episode on iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify and Anchor. So make sure you catch up, catch up, catch up. Anyways, for this week, I am here with a beautiful baby boy, (laughs) the creator, the founder of Queer. Brock. Hello. Big up yourself. <laughs> Beautiful baby boy. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> Listen, if you see how he has just stepped in here with this whole source, oh, I'm loving it. I'm loving it, man. Thank you very much. Firstly, how are you, man? How's your week been? I'm good. Yeah, week has been good. It's been a wild year of positive amazing things happening for me which has mm. been tricky to deal with because the end of last year was quite difficult and so going into this new year I was like things have to be good and they have been and they've been great I love that man because this this year 2021 has been for the most part it's been a good year and mm. then like I had like an energy drop between June and up until two weeks ago I was in a funk like really? and I'm I'm a person that's like happy for years like mm. I just have like only a few variations in my mm. mood so it was so unusual and I could observe it happening mm. and I don't know like listen I went to bed one day and prayed out my little soul and I woke up fresh the next day and I was like that's all it required for me you know <laughs> <laughs> I love that though I'm quite the opposite where I'm like I'm like big highs and then really low lows and right. it can really really dip mm-hmm. um and so I, I have found this year has been quite hard because I've literally have had moments where I'm literally like really, really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And the moments when I've been really, really, really good. So, but for the most part this year, I've been great. It has been really, really great. Mm, may that continue, man. Let that energy continue. I know. We're in October now. I don't know mental. where the year's gone. <laughs> it's it's hard. I've spent the majority of the year in the yard. That's why. It just right. feels like, where's the year gone? Literally. Literally. So... We're going to get into our first segment, which is the game. So I'm going to break it down for anyone that's just locked in for the first time. This guy doesn't know what, he doesn't know any of the questions. And that's how I keep it every single time. So I'm going to ask the guests a series of questions. Right. And they're random. So you've got a quick and fast, quick and fast. Okay. Yeah. Right. All right. You ready, ready? I'm stretching. <laughs> I'm getting ready. <laughs> right, so first, first and foremost, mm-hmm. what's your name? My name's Akil. What's your preferred pronouns? He, him. Okay. What ends are you from? <laughs> I'm from near Tottenham, from Edmonton Green. Are you from the ends? I'm from ends. You're ends. north. Yeah, I'm really, I'm deep north. Guys, guys, it's happened. We've had our first north guest. We've had a south bias, a south and east London bias. We had no one. Yes. Okay, finally. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm representing for the north Londoners. What, what? <laughs> <laughs> so what's your heritage, like your, ba- your cultural background? So my mum is mixed. Mm-hmm. She's mixed Nigerian and Swiss. Mm. And then my dad's Scottish. Um, but it's weird because my mum my mom grew up in care. So mm. she doesn't have much of like a, an affinity with either of them, but more so with her Nigerian side, but specifically in a, a, from an African sense rather than like a specifically Nigerian because she was yeah. raised in like a an Irish Catholic. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not in Ireland, but in, the, in yeah, London, yeah, yeah. but, but by, raised so by nuns, basically. So is your mum mixed race? Yeah, so she's mixed race. Got you. Yeah. Got you, got you, got you. So then got... I'm like... Even Mixia's race. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. 
So, today, who has been your biggest pop cultural influence? Um, I would probably say Rihanna. Really? Ooh. Yeah. I, she's the only person that's made me question whether I am actually homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, she now she is fine, fine. She's she's fine, fine. She's like I've never seen a face like it. God, no, God was showing off. God he, was, was, <laughs> he was showing off when he made her like she's. And do you know what? I recently saw her do like a talk around black women in tech, and it was like so impressive because I never even knew she was even into that. No, or no, had no, any kind either. of opinions. I know she was doing Fenty. Yeah. Um, I know she had her musical, like her music career and little mm. performing arts scene that she had going on. <laughs> I, can't, I can't call that dancing, <laughs> singing at all. That was a whole show. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was really nice, man. But I don't really, I don't really know what she's doing now. Now she's kind of out of the spotlight. Yeah, well, she's just doing Savage Fenty, isn't she? She's got so many businesses. It's, okay. it's actually kind of mad. But I always think about like, I try and think about when, when I think about celebrities and pop pop culture people about if, if they weren't famous and I saw them in the street, mm-hmm. would I actually like double take? And I feel like there's only a few people, Rihanna included, that mm-hmm. if I actually just saw her in the street, she's not famous, she's just walking down the street, I think I would literally be like, Damn. like gasp. Like, mm-hmm. who is that? Who were the other people? Who were like some of the other food that... that uh, Beyonce. Um, who else? Um... Do you know what's so weird is that, like, there's not a lot of men that I'm a fan of. <laughs> <laughs> that is so ironic. Like, if people are like, oh, like, what like, male celebrity do you fancy or find fit? And I'm literally like, I can't think of any. I literally, Rihanna, Beyonce just comes to mind. I'm literally like, I can't think of any. Do you know man. what? Yeah, this is uh, going to sound like a really wild and broad statement, but... A lot of the guys in the media are moving mad, you know. <laughs> no, they're, no. Move, they're moving <laughs> mad. <laughs> That's not a wild statement. That's just facts. Do you understand? That's because just you, you've got the like the likes of like her, Solange, um, Neo. They're just moving correct. They just seem at peace. Meanwhile, then you have Future and Amigos. <laughs> <laughs> not to say that I they're don't trouble. like trouble. Yeah. Wait. See, we digressed already. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, okay, okay. So... If you had to pick between Bashman or Slow Jams, what are you picking? Bashman. Whoa. Reggae or R&B? Oh, R&B. Dexter Daps or Vibes Cartel? <laughs> I think that might be a controversial statement, but I think my my brain just gravitates more to Dexter Daps' voice. Mm. I think it's such a nice he's, voice. He's, he's smooth, you know? Yeah, he's so smooth. Even I can look at Dexter and I'm like, go on with yourself. Yeah. It's so true. If you had to pick between the internet or your passport, which one are you picking? Passport. Facts. Mobile phone or music? Oh, music. Unlimited money or unlimited opportunity? Opportunity. Oh, let's get into it. How come? Um. Well, I don't know, maybe I'm changing my mind now. Because I, I, what I think with money comes opportunity. Mm-hmm. But then one of the reasons why I said opportunity is because I feel like through money, there has to be some sacrifices that you have to make in terms of your soul, yeah. in terms of how, how you move, how you treat people. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to be that way, but I think that if you just have opportunity, I think that then it takes the money element out of it. And mm. it means, and I think things are more authentic and more real, mm. um, rather than it just being like, oh, I've got money, so I'm going to do this. It's like, I've got opportunities, so... I'm going to move forward with that. Yeah, I rock with that heavy. I rock. Do you know what I mean? Because you know what? Yeah. I feel like with opportunity comes the journey and the journey mm. is the thing that refines your character. It's the thing that makes you 
grateful and appreciative. Yeah. And like, it's made, as a leader, it's made me very conscientious about how I deal with my team and just my broader responsibilities because I've been there and had a shit manager and been at like coordinator mm. level or administrator level mm. and I wasn't happy with the way I was being treated. So I think it's kind of refined my character based mm. upon my experience. And I think with good opportunity comes money. Oh yeah, exactly. But then also like I, I like I said, I've had a great year and I've, there's so many amazing things that I, I've been able to do and that I am doing that, you know, will come out soon and everything like that. But I have, I don't have money mm, yeah. <laughs> and I've gotten all these opportunities without needing to have the money. Mm. Yeah. And then I'm just hoping that these things then do breed money yeah. with it. But then for me, the, the excitement has, the, the money side of it is secondary to the fact that I'm getting all these amazing opportunities and I'm being able to do things that are incredible and out of the realm and world of being someone who's from North London, from Ends and Edmonton yeah. Green. And I'm I'm able to do things that makes my mum proud. And like, mm. I, I literally will send her a screenshot of something being like, mum, look at this amazing thing I'm going to do. And she's literally like, oh my God, I love this for you. And that make, fills my heart more than, than the money. Obviously the money is a bonus because <laughs> it helps me then to move on to the next thing, helps me to put more money back into Queer Broke. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the opportunity is, is more exciting to me than just being, sending an invoice over. I love that. It's, it's the whole experience. It's yeah. the, the whole... It's, I'm, I'm sitting here really thinking about it. I'd, money can't make you happy. And I know that firsthand. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when I had, between June and say like mid-September, when I was having like, I mean, you call it my midlife crises. My <laughs> early midlife crises, yeah. Like my paycheck didn't mean anything to me. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? As long as like I could pay the necessities. Yeah. It, it did not mean a thing. I wasn't even thinking about it. No. But like when it came to like, recording or going into spaces where I had to think about something else, it completely shifted mm. that energy. And then afterwards I was like, oh, back to my little sad self. So I feel you on that. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So what's your favorite food? My favorite food. Um, I, I love Vietnamese food mm -hmm. or my mum's jerk chicken. Oh, what mama's got mama's jerk chicken is on point. Yeah, it's on point. And her, her, um, Mac and cheese as well was so good. Mummy, I might Mom, be coming by, you know. Flora, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> you can expect to see me once. Literally. Um, okay, who's your celebrity crush? Oh, well, we touched on this already, mm. but I'm going to try and think of a man. <laughs> I'm going to try and think of a man. Okay, right, celebrity crush. Um, oh, Kate Chinada. Do you know why I don't know what he looks like? Oh, he's but we'll, we'll, we'll Google him after. But he's but because he's a producer. Isn't he's he? a producer, yeah, and he's he has like this boiler room set. But I love him so much. Back like in the day, I used to get drunk and then DM him. <laughs> <laughs> he never he never replied. He's never seen it. But I used to literally get drunk and be like, "I love you. I'm so proud of you." <laughs> he doesn't know who I am. How long ago was this? This was like uni, so this was at okay, least like okay, five. Okay. You get a pass. Yeah, I get a pass. You get a pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of like who my male crush is. I, I think I would have like three, but it's interesting actually because they're very feminine. Well, there you so go. So like Andre 3000. Yeah. But he, like he might be able to get it on a yeah. Wednesday, you know, <laughs> so on a wicked Wednesday. Wicked Wednesday. <laughs> Hump day. Um, Jimi Hendrix. Oh, like. Buff. Damn. Like his whole aura. Like Every, his everything. talent. Everything. Like hot. And then, you know, Prince is kind of cute. Oh no, Prince is beautiful. Prince has got a little je ne sais quoi. Yeah, Prince is gorgeous. Prince is actually was very formative for me as a 
um, a person of color because he was kind of femme but mask at the same time. Mm-hmm. He also was hairy. Yeah. Like like I am, which was, uh, there's not really been that many representations of men, men of color who have had like hairy chests. And so I kind of saw a lot of myself in him and he kind of made me feel a bit more comfortable about being who I am. Mm. And also he's just also really talented. <sighs> Prince what's something sexy about him. Yeah, he life. really does. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you pick? Um, do you know what? I think... Um, I So I grew up in Spain when I was younger. Oh, really? Yeah, from the age of five to eight, mm-hmm. we lived in Spain. Um, we lived in, like, my mum bought this, like, in the 90s, this ginormous farmhouse. Mm. And we lived there. We had, like, no hot running water, no electricity. But my, it was, my mum said we lived, like, a hippie life, but it was, like, yeah. the best life that we've ever lived. And then we moved back to the UK. I think I would say Spain because it, it has like very, very specific memories for me. And I know, I know it. Like I know the place. I can't, I can't speak any Spanish, but, but I can try. We move. Uh, we move. We, we There's Duolingo these There's days. There's Duolingo. <laughs> Duolingo is a rude bitch though. Just the way she comes at me <laughs> whenever I haven't done my work. That she's thing, so rude. That notification does yeah. not play, you know. No, she's so nasty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still figuring that out because me, do you know what? I don't need much to live, you know? Like I'm mm. very, I know. Low maintenance. Super, mm. super, super, super. Like I could, I love nature. Mm. I love nature. So anything that's kind of nature facing, that's got space where when I look out, I'm not looking onto things. Mm. So there might be like trees or beach mm. or, ocean, you know, just that open scenery. It needs to be hot. Like yeah, the average temperature, like the lowest it needs to get is like 23. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. I need it hot. I yeah, need I need that. it hot. I need it um, hot. People are like to me, oh, like we could go on a, a skiing trip. I'm like, if you're paying, I'll go. Bro, but I'm not t- using my own money. Let me tell you. Okay. I need a beach. We, listen, we've hot, we we're about to digress fully. But <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> the in motion. So I went skiing, yeah. Um, so this must have been about five years ago or something like this. Let, okay. I'm so sorry that happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, context, yeah. I'm Caribbean in it, and like nobody in my family, as far as I'm aware, has ever gone skiing or had actually paid for a holiday <laughs> where there is not sun. That's just not a thing we've done. So I was dating a girl, and she she was she was white, you know, and she was more into certain things and exposed to certain things. So she was like, oh, babe, we should go skiing. And I looked at her like she was fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> you want me to pay to go and injure myself? Yeah. You want me to mash up myself? <laughs> Yo, listen, <laughs> the way my sick policy is at work here, I can't afford it. So anyway, we went. It was really good, you know? I was at It was one of, honest, I swear to God, it was one of my favourite holidays. And skiing is fun. And like, you get hot. Yeah. I was, imagine I had my coat open with my vest. Okay, wow. It was. I, I have heard this though. It's actually not that cold. It's hot, hot. Mm. Like in the wind, like in the nighttime, you know, it's a different kind of setup altogether. Mm-hmm. It is freezing, but it is kind of fun. I would recommend. Okay, Imagine, fine. Imagine like, imagine, imagine like a black queer experience or a black POC See, skiing experience. That would actually be sick and that would actually be something that I would be into. Still, someone has to pay for me though. So I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not using my hard earned money. If money set up like that, come on, I'll bust yeah. you. <laughs> And last question, if you were given five million pounds and you had two options, either you can keep it 100% for yourself, no strings attached, you can do what you want, or you have to give the full five mil to charity, what are you doing? That's a really hard question. Mm -hmm. 
So, and I, I can't half and half. If, if you've got to do a full 100% either way. Either so way. It's yourself. Five mil goes to your bank account or straight to the account of your chosen charity. If I'm, I'm just going to be straight up honest. Yeah. I think I keep it for myself. I would keep it. I would keep what? it. I'll keep it. I would then earn more money and then I would donate to charity. One, that's exactly it. Like I, you know, like I would use it to invest. Yeah. And then off the back of the investment, then make sure that I'm like donating to a charity or I'm doing charitable work. Yeah. Just in general, like I could work for free and yeah. volunteer. Yeah, literally. You know, and with five million, you would have all the time in the world to volunteer. Exactly. What? And I'd have a nice big house to do my charity work from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Don't pass me up. So, we're going to go into the next segment, which is this week. And so there were a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. And I don't even know when this is going to come out. So, this will give you a context of the time. So <laughs> Time of which we recorded this. Right. So, um, the petrol shortage. Like... <laughs> I mean, excuse me. <laughs> so last week, yeah, I was like, oh, let me just... When I saw the announcement, like I saw it on social media and it was like two hours since the media had um, released the information about mm. it. So I was like, oh, two hours. I still got a little bit of time. No one's really got... What? I drove <laughs> to four petrol stations and my petrol wasn't low, low, but it was less than a quarter of a tank. And I said, it makes no sense me killing my petrol to get petrol. No. But then, throughout the week, I was thinking, I need to get to East to do this with you, to record with yeah. you. So anyway, the day before yesterday, I was going to the park. I was going, the park is like the extension of my back garden. Right. So I was going to have a little smoke. And then I noticed the line was short. I, you should have told me fly back to my house <laughs> so quickly. It took me 23 minutes to get petrol. And that is a record time, time at this point. At yeah? this point, yeah. And I believe I had the receipts podcast in the background. I had this week's episode that hadn't been touched. I had water and I had my chicken and rice in the car. I was ready mm. for the wait, you know. I never really got to that do too so much. Oh, literally. So you were literally ready to be there for hours I if was needed. I was you had ready. your chicken and <laughs> I had the chicken and rice heated up well, well. Your water. Mm. <laughs> but like, I, I still can't really get my head around how in 2021 we've got here. So I, I was saying this to my mum the other day. I was literally like, this is the world we live in. <laughs> but this is what we're going through. And it does yeah. feel almost apocalyptic. Yeah. And it's it's so bizarre because like she was saying to me, she was like, I don't know how I'm going to get to work if I can't get anybody petrol. But she was like, I'm not sitting in that queue for ages. Yeah. And I was like, well, there has to be some measures. If people can't get petrol, then they're going to have to work from home. 100%. Because you know? I was like, <clears throat> I, I choose peace in most scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I'm not dealing with that because if I don't have to deal with the whole petrol scenario, it doesn't violence. exist. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It doesn't exist to me. But it got to a point where I was like, like I said, I'm going to need to drive to East, you know, and I'm not trying to cut out in the Blackpool Tunnel. No. No time at all. No time at all. But you're right. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, England, the UK is a little bit of a mess right it's, now. It's, it's an absolute mess. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, it's always been a mess. Right. But right. now it's even more of a mess. Right, right, right. Listen, Boris, you're mashing up the place. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently, <laughs> sir, you knew three months ago that this was going to happen. And like the pandemic, again, you were slow to respond. My brother, so slow. can you, you listen? My brother. <laughs> <laughs> I could do the job, you know. Just bust me. Bust yeah. me. I'll be your little secret PA. I'll, Literally. I'll help you to make better decisions, we'll bro. We'll whisper in your ears and tell you what you need to do. Right, because you're not getting it right, you know, respectfully. I, I saw a really good tweet that was like, how do I stay in London but leave the UK? 
Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The joke that was so funny. That's so true. This is so true. How... I wonder if we can get like some kind of like independent, we can just be an independent state. Well, that was, I think around like the whole um, Brexit thing, I think that was, people were trying to push for that. Scotland was trying to do that as well. I mean, they were like, leave us alone. Londoners, I'm going to need you to find that Vim again because, <laughs> you know, we need to. That we need Vim. To, yeah. <laughs> Something else I discovered this week, well, it was last week actually, um, on Spotify had my little music playing and you know, like it just loops onto other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a group called Ashan. I'm not mm. sure if I'm Yes, love oh, them. Oh my. Spell O-S-H-U-N. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. People, people. Their the, music is beautiful. How would you describe it? Um, A trip. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's peace, but then also has a lot to say. Yeah. I love that. I love their music. I haven't actually listened to them in a while, you know. Yeah, no, that's a really good way because it, it is a whole. It's got that trippy electro yeah. kind of alternative sound to it. Yeah, very alternative. It has got. It's very. I feel like it's very black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is yeah. so black. When you hear this, it's like the richness of the melanin, like the yeah. power in the melanin. I'm just like, oh my god, it's activating. Their artwork me. is always really amazing as well. Like yes. I'm trying to think whenever I've listened to them on Spotify that like their artwork on the thing is mm-hmm. always really pretty. Yeah, it's like super empowering, super uplifting. I feel like you can listen to that in any mood. Any mood. And it still kind of triggers something inspiring yeah. in you. So like guys, well I found them on, I know they're on Instagram, they've got IG accounts. So I started following. I know they got tracks on YouTube and I know they got tracks on Spotify. Spotify. So people, and there's, um, I think it's called Feminine. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard that one. It's nice. It's nice. It's, okay. very, it's very, very nice. So yeah, guys, check I'll definitely out. listen. Um, I'm thinking, was there anything else that really caught my eye this week? I, there is something, you know, and I was meant to take note of it and I really didn't. <laughs> and now look, we're here. And now look, we're here. Has there been anything in the news or socials that's caught your eye? I'm trying to think if there's anything that's kind of caught my eye, really. I think, for me, in the last week, like, this whole Nicki Minaj stuff that's been happening. Oh, yeah. With <laughs> that Again, and I saw another tweet that was like, I-, I still support her music, but I don't support what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> I remember what it was. But wait, we'll put... R. Kelly, we're coming back to it. Okay, yeah, we're coming yes. back to it. Oh, great. That's yes. great news. Yes. Um, but no, just with Nicki and... Um, all the memes that came out, you know, about her her cousin's friend's testicle. Have you been reading all this? Was this was that the one he said <laughs> his he cousin had a Yeah, that his testicle like <laughs> like kind of exploded or something like that. And then like Twitter went wild or like the internet went wild and they were like were like officials. Well she, I think she went to back to back with Boris in it. Yeah. Did you hear the voiceover? Yeah. No. Oh my god, I was fucking like Nikki. This is what I'm saying. Right, my thing is with Nikki is that if I pre, if we look predated this man of disaster that she's with, yeah. <laughs> like, disaster. She has, Nikki's got bars, she's got, she's got some really shit songs that I don't like. But yeah. off, if I take the commercial <clears throat> element out of it, she's been barring for a long time and yeah. she's cold. And I love this, um, you know, Roman's Revenge. <sighs> like, I love Roman. I am not Jasmine, I am Aladdin. Yes, yes, yes. Right. I'm obsessed. I, I have, I'm obsessed with her. I love her. Again, I agree. There's some there's some songs that I'm not a massive fan of, but pretty much like 97%, yeah. I'm like, this is great. She's fierce. And that's why I'm I'm like, I have this like anger towards mm. her just for 
saying stupid stuff. Do you know what? At this point, it's, it's like... It's misinformation. Like, if when we yeah. when we boil it down, it's actually just complete misinformation. Mm-hmm. She did then say, she kind of backtracked slightly by being like, she will get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And she's saying to people get the vaccine, but she's just saying you should allow people to have their own opinion. Which I agree. It's yeah. just that what she's putting out is like... like the testicle thing, just it, like <laughs> it's funny, but then it's also there are people that are, are going to actually believe I, her. I want to know what this man's testicle was like beforehand. I know. Was me too. it slightly inflamed? Yeah. Any listeners out there, get us a no, I'm joking. Don't get us a picture. <laughs> Do not send me no DMs of this man's balls. Don't send us pictures of people's testicles. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Me. Definitely, definitely, definitely not Meg. <laughs> um, but do you know? Have you heard about like her Nikki speaking up? on behalf of her man and the guy that she's, he apparently trigger warning, sexually assaulted, and she's been like his biggest advocate, but yeah. in a very distasteful way. Well, there was things that were the, was coming up. Yeah, again, yeah, like Meg said, trigger warning, trigger mm. warning. Um, that, that she, there were rumors that she like tried to pay her off. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Like apparently there's been like, allegedly there's, been said that she's been putting pressure on the person and and yeah. her, um what the barbs have been putting pressure on the person because apparently that the That's victim so the victim was like in what do you call that thing when people can't find you uh, witness protection yeah so she was kind of in some kind of program like that and they've dug her out and find her and stuff and i was oh thinking my to myself like do you know what? there's a couple of layers to that like firstly nikki i understand what it is to I'm talking like I'm talking to her, you know. I know. I'm like, sis, hey, sis, Nikki. We, need, <laughs> we need to talk. Yeah. Um, she's the third guest today. Right. right. She's, <laughs> she's coming later. She's coming later. <laughs> but like I I get it when you really care for someone and you want to see the best in them. And do you know what? There may have been a situation that could have been misconstrued. Mm. And the version that they've told you, you buy into it. And mm. whatever you see in that person, you corroborate. But what I will say is this: you've got the right to believe whatever you want to believe, and you've got the right to love whoever you want to love. But <laughs> Don't mash up your whole bag for a man. Yeah. Do you understand? I don't even know what Thanks. her husband looks like, you know. I have not, Do I not... don't know what a man looks like past meat meal. <laughs> <laughs> I was so distraught when that was over. I know. <laughs> you know, so that's my thing that, and also don't speak with your whole chest because you never know. No. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Face your fun and support him quietly behind the scenes, but you don't need to be doing this. I agree. This. And like, I, I just think the whole situation is really, really sad. And this woman is clearly going through something mm. and she's even begging people to leave her alone like imagine wow. being a victim of something or a mm. survivor of something and then you have an extra layer of then thousands millions of fans coming for you because not you're not even coming for the actual person you're coming yeah. for the person's man yeah. like i can't even imagine you know I no it's I can't, and I feel like she's got a responsibility. Nikki's got a responsibility Nikki to manage her friends. I'm like, you need to tell them to back down because yes. the sensitivity that like, as a do you know what? As a female-bodied person, yeah, I understand what it is to kind of fall within the realm of womanhood and being a woman, even though I don't necessarily identify like that. But it's like, do you know what? Use some empathy and some common sense because there are a lot of people yeah. and a lot of your um fans will have been in situations where they may Agreed. have been taken advantage of or they were made to feel very uncomfortable about the situation they were in. Yeah. And it's like, you behaving like that <clears> does nothing <throat> positive for them. Do you know where I'm mm. coming from? So I'm like, Nikki, baby girl, please do better. Yeah, yeah, do better. And so quickly, yesterday, 
online, I saw the verdict for R. Kelly. He's looking 10 years to life. Yeah. Lock his yeah. blood clot up. Let's, let's, hope it's, let's hope it's life. Right. An American life as <laughs> An well. American we are life. not coming out. Yeah, when you're in there for like 200 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 250 <laughs> years. <laughs> You've been buried no, and you're still was, sentenced. That was, I still, I keep thinking back about that Gail King interview. Yeah, oh my God. And when he stood up, he threw something and the way that Gail handled herself Mm. Like a queen, Absolutely. I'm literally just stared at him like this. I mean, Robert, obviously, listeners Robert. can't see my face, but I'm going. Mm-hmm. You don't know what I'm doing, but but yeah, and I, I just think like he obviously knew he got caught. The best way for him to deal with it was to act like everyone else is the problem and yeah. they're coming for him, mm-hmm. which is typical gaslighting. Typical, in my opinion, a lot of straight men, mm-hmm. <laughs> gay men as well actually. Men, mm-hmm. men do that speaking from experience as a man um, who is with men. Um, and I think that he tried to get out of it as best he could. And yeah. I, I, I'm glad that he couldn't. <laughs> and like his schemes to like get all of these women to write all of these statements to confirm what they have not done with him sexually. Oh, yeah. actually, I'm, like, I'm like, all of those things, yeah, actually worked against him in, uh, worked against him in terms yeah. of the prosecution. So Good. do you know what? It's just... And imagine, like, what got me was that there was still a small collective of fans outside playing his music across the courthouse. I could not. Berating his... Um, victims. Berating his victim, the victim's defences. And I'm like, you are crazy. Like, how can you with oh, so God, that much makes me vim, feel sick. How, how can you with so much vim really vouch for someone like that? Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because I'm not going to lie, my friends don't even have to do 132 of what has happened. Mm. And I'm looking at them sideways. I'm like, nah, do you know what? <laughs> I'm hearing too much about this. You are the common denominator in this bitch. I think we too much like blindly support people, not just celebrities, even yeah. like you just said, like friends. When, mm-hmm. again, like I go back to like this year, there's actually been a few people that I've removed from my life. Mm. And because I, I, I've always been the type of person that I'm like, if someone kind of, can I swear? Yeah. Fucks me over. Um, I I just let it slide. And this year I made the decision. I was like, some th- some things have happened with friends where I'm like, I, this is not okay for me. Mm. And so I've now found it really easy to just cut people out. Yeah. Which I've spoken to my mum and she's like, that's not healthy to do that. And I was like, it was healthy for me personally. Like, don't get me wrong. If a friend acts like fucks me over and, and we talk about it and it's fine, we can get over it. But there's certain things that have happened that where I'm like, I can't do that. Yeah. So that's why I struggle when I'm looking at these fans um, who are supporting R. Kelly, who haven't even met the man. <laughs> right. They're not, he's not a friend of theirs. And in my opinion, his music is not even that good, as good as some of the, the positive men that are, are out yeah. there. Yeah, 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 you know? it's true. Especially if we're looking at it, like retrospectively now with all the talent. Like, I'm sorry, like I like Frank Ocean, oh. right? I love... That's another one of my celebrity crushes. I can see it. Yeah. It's fine. You know, like there's, there's, there's a lot of, I feel like there's so much art out there that there's no need for people to hang on to. So, that. Yeah. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. Don't get... Because you see the chocolate factory, good God, that man did something with that album. Yeah. <laughs> Step in the name of what? Yeah, look here. But let me tell you something. There, yeah, I cannot, yeah. I cannot, I can't bypass that. I'm like, your music isn't sweet enough for me to no, provide you. So no. I just wanted to give you an update, guys. If anyone had been following that story and it went quiet, it did go quiet for some time. Mm. That has been the outcome. So I think that they're just there's all the criminal proceedings that have to happen now and so and so. But yeah, that asshole is going to be gone for good. Yes. Oh, actually, there was one other thing. 
So I just wanted to just shed some light on Afropunk because Afropunk happened the 26th of September. It looked amazing. In ATL. And for anyone that doesn't know what Afropunk is, okay, I think we can both take our turns to try and describe it because you'll probably cover some things that I would. Yeah. Yeah. So first and foremost, they've got like a 1 million following on IG. So that gives you the magnitude of their visibility. And yeah. they have events in, I think, Amsterdam, Paris, America, Brooklyn, and the UK. New York. Yeah. yeah. Johannesburg yeah. Um, and so, Brazil. Oh, also. wow. In Brazil? Yeah. Oh, so it's cool. really, that. I think the Brazilian one, that could be interesting. Well, the reason why I said that's interesting is because over like in um, these sort of Latin countries, there's a lot of colorism. Mm-hmm. that goes on and and um misogynoir and everything like that so i think it will be interesting to see i mean if, if we're talking about it like colorism happens literally <laughs> everywhere yeah but specifically in the in these in these countries in brazil is kind of like quite it's quite prevalent for that so it'll be interesting to see how they play with dark skin mm. people as part of the afropunk experience and how they kind of have people react and deal with that when who yeah. they, obviously they should be like center stage in front and front and center but the way in which they kind of work around colorism and how yeah how, how they, they portray react, blackness. how they portray, portray blackness yeah and like how visible is it kind of like i don't know like because you're right like i've been to brazil a good few times now mm. and there is there is the racism and there's the colorism that exists and yeah. it'll be interesting to see where in brazil they decide to locate it because yeah. if it's in the north that like northeast that makes sense because that's where all the black people dead there. Like that's yeah. the majority. So it would. It, I'm I'm curious, but so Afropunk is uh is has become a mainstream um event which celebrates black culture, but it's like an alternative black punk. Mm. And anyone that knows about punk, punk doesn't. It can't be defined. Punk is like freedom of expression to mm. be super super out there with mm. it and be super, super creative with your look. And you see all types of Afrocentric, oh. um, artistic displays of people's like costumes, their hair, their the makeup, hair. everything. Mm. I love how black men show up in that space. Oh my God, I know. It's well, so then this wonderful. is what I was going to say about Afropunk and specifically the Instagram. Mm. A lot of queer people go to Afropunk Great. and then Afropunk will post about it. And then you'll see like homophobia in the in the mm. comments. Mm. And then, but then Afropunk will reply automatically being like, you clearly don't know what Afropunk is yeah. and means. You you should probably unfollow if you're gonna come here oh, and, and be like homophobic to, to someone that we've posted because mm. they represent the essence of what Afropunk actually is, which right. is basically being like, blackness shouldn't be defined as one thing. Mm-hmm. You can be literally anything that you want to be. We want like the black emo kids to come. We want the black, you know, indie kids to come. And we want the queer kids to come. So that's what my take on Afropunk is. It's kind of like the vibe of it is literally about freedom of expression for, for within the lens of blackness. Mm. Oh, that's, that's, that's a really beautiful way of putting it. And that led me to think about like, Imagine like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory and all that it has inside. <laughs> and it's like, it's like a world of excellent blackness and our vastness and our duality. Mm. And then they open the doors and they're like, come, come. And it's like a lot of marginalized black people mm. tend to kind of flock mm. to this event. And I love that yeah. because it's like, I feel comfortable around people that have that have got many intersections and they want yeah. to explore and express that also yeah. and they're not necessarily just perceiving themselves in one dimension. Yeah. So like well, big up big up 
Afropunk. Well, that's like also the whole point of Queer Brack as well. Like pause. Like <laughs> pause. we are gonna get into it. Don't you? Don't. Okay, fine. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of right, myself. Right. But in terms of music, what you can expect to hear is you know some punk, some rock, some soul, neo soul, mm. R and B, electro sounds. Mm. You know the fashion, the serving looks. I don't know what the the culture is around food though, because I've never seen anything. About no, I've never seen. That's true, actually. Yeah. So it's like it's a lot more kind of I would say art led. Yeah. Space. So definitely check them out, people. They've got some like you said, you know. They've got some such a cool Instagram page and they're dropping a lot of content from their most recent um Yeah, event. that's incredible. Yeah, in ATR. So Atlanta would have been mental, I bet. Oh my god. <laughs> like, listen, Skullduggery in debauchery uh, to the max. Skullduggery. To the absolute max. I love the fuckery. I'm not gonna Literally. Please can that be the name of this episode? What's Skullduggery. <laughs> And debauchery <laughs> with a with a kill from queer bra. Do, you know Do you know what? I need to type that. I need to. I need to type that data. Debauchery and debauchery to the max. To the max. <laughs> Guys, I'm typing this in my phone because my memory is so poor. That is that is the name of the episode. Skull duggery. I don't think I've heard anyone out loud say the word skull duggery, <laughs> apart from right now. That's so funny. <laughs> So like we've got into the we we we're getting into the part of the conversation that I have been waiting for. I have God. because you know what? Like this podcast is a split of people that are doing incredible things that I've known for a long time. Mm-hmm. And Akil is someone that I reached out to on Instagram because you know me, I've become like an Instagram stalker, like just <laughs> f- filing through excellent POC queer content and I come across your page and I was like, hmm, hold on. I've never heard of this before, first and foremost. And I thought, this looks really lit. Yeah. And there are quite a few events that are on my radar at the moment that seem more um, led for women. There's mm-hmm. like a big push for women to so like lick events, les events and stuff like that, which yeah. I'm truly, truly grateful for. But the aesthetic of your event looked different. Yeah. And what caught my eye was firstly, the decor, the decor in some of the spaces, it reminded me of like a proper dance hall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm seeing people having the time of their life and I'm like, nah, this is a proper, proper thing. Cause this isn't what I would classify as a rave because I'm a raver, raver. Yeah. This reminds me of a dance. Yeah. Do you know where I'm coming from? So yeah. I had to reach out because I wanted to understand the individual behind Queer Brock. Yeah. I wanted to know what Queer Brock is. Mm-hmm. Why it Why? is, yeah, and where it's going. So, if we start with firstly, give us a bit of a backstory about kind of who you are, where you've come from, what was life growing up, and your family. Well, life growing up for me was, you know, um, fine, I guess, but I, as a young queer kid, being bullied for being feminine, being bullied for being weird, being bullied for being ugly, I was like. You with your uh, hot self. <laughs> I know. I was like the ugly kid at school and I was um, bullied in that like in that respect. But then also then the added layer of like, I had this weird internalized racism about and the confusion about my race and how I dealt with it because I didn't really feel like I fit into anywhere. And then on top of that, m- my mum was going through her motions of becoming more, more proud of being a black woman. Not not that she was ever not proud, but mm-hmm. I think that she had a bit of contention, especially when, when not being raised by her family. Mm-hmm. Um, she's now got dreads. Like she's literally like she she loves it. But I I kind of grew up with 
the music that my mum loved listening to when we used to, I, like, I remember we, every Sunday we would have to clean the house and then she would literally put on some Bob Marley or some Otis Redding mm-hmm. or some Al Green and she'd oh, blast yeah. it loud. I remember my mum, this is, this is, I used to hate her because <laughs> she used to have a convertible car. She used to pick me up from school blasting Bob Marley and then <laughs> I'd be like with all my white friends there and I'm literally like, mum, can't you just listen to something normal? And like, yeah, Capital Radio or literally just yeah. be on some Kiss FM or something. Mm. And then she'd come and she'd be with her dreads, her sunglasses, like riding her car. Yeah. <laughs> blasting Bob Marley and I used to be so embarrassed. Now I'm literally like, mum, turn it up louder, let's yeah, blast yeah, it. Yeah. But it was all about like, my, my upbringing was about living in, a, a, an area that's predominantly West African and Turkish and then growing up with her and then the music that we listened to, the food that she would make me and everything like that. And it kind of inspired where Queerbrook, what Queerbrook became. Mm-hmm. And then I also think like, if I hadn't have gone through the hardships that I went through in terms of homophobia, I don't think Queerbrook would ever exist. Right. <laughs> if I lived a, a, a cushy life and a fine life, then Queerbrook was, wouldn't be necessary for me personally, you know? Mm. I've got I've got some questions because as I've got old like I've always been a tomboyish child. Yeah. I always have, but that at the masculine presenting aspect of me really started to take root, I say about seventeen, when I started to really explore clothing and bringing looks together mm. and so on. So I don't think my queerness was that visible right. growing up. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was just any other black girl. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So like what did that kind of homophobic how, in terms of your experience of homophobia being a youngster how did that actually manifest itself and how did you feel i i hate it and i i i basically manifested in the way of like I, I was quite a feminine little boy i think now there's aspects of me where it's, it's kind of fem- like when we're talking about prince mm. aspects of me that are, are kind of masculine and i think i dress on the more masculine side but then there's obviously parts of me where that are quite feminine as well and there's always been a contentious issue because I've always seen in, in the way in which people react to men, what is so coveted and seen as sexy is that hyper-masculine mm. edge. And now I, I don't care, but growing up, I, I, I did feel very, very uncomfortable with it. And all I ever wanted was to just be a straight white boy because they their mm. lives just looked so easy. Right. <laughs> Not saying that their lives are easy, but it was a lot easier than mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah There was yeah. even this one boy in my... This is actually so nasty. I was listening so horrible. There was actually this one boy in my year who was so butters. Mm. <laughs> but he was white and straight. And I was like, I'd even be him. <laughs> I get you know. I, I would you, even prefer to be him. I, I get it, you know, because I've said to someone, this was when I was a lot younger and I think I was still trying to... I understood who I was, but I wasn't 100% at peace with mm. it at all times. You know, I flitted in and out of it. Yeah. And there were times when, like, I'll be going to work and I see these white go- white guys with their little comb over quifting <laughs> and their little sh- sh- their little suits and the shirt the shirt is laying flat and I've got boobs and I'm like, no, I'm like my my suit could never look like yeah. that and it was just yeah. so annoying. Oh, and God, there were that, times- that weird identity politics is so it's fucked you up for a little bit right and i never even knew that it was identity politics but it was just like this running narrative yeah that was like these conversations that i was having with myself whilst experiencing life you know and yeah i remember thinking to myself but mate do you wish you were a white man and there were some moments where i thought it would just be easy if i wasn't me yeah i'm like like, that's true yes i'm i i you that person is a representation of liberation and freedom and yeah. just being able to live 
without and the things I don't have yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so maybe that's what it was maybe it wasn't that I wanted to be that I just wanted to be treated in the same way and also have that freedom that they I can see that they have they're the visual representation and because it took me time because I thought like it was a bit of a crisis like do I am I saying I want to be a white man and how do I feel about that and it it felt like the only way to articulate until my language over time has evolved where I'm like, okay, you rep- you were a representation yeah. of what it was that I wanted and felt that I maybe yeah. couldn't that's so achieve true. or receive. Oh, you know? That's deep. Yeah, that's so true. So in terms of like, your, we've spoken a bit about growing up already, but like, what are some of the more defining moments that you think have made you the person you are today? I think <clears throat> coming out to my mum at 18, was a big moment for me. It was 2011, Christmas Eve. I don't know why I chose Christmas Eve. I'm like, we're so dramatic, you know. No, oh God, I love the drama. <laughs> um, but I just burst, I was, I remember, we were, I was helping my mum grout the, the bathroom. So mm. we were literally putting tiles up and I just burst into tears. And um, not to get too deep, but like around that time, my dad had just been diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And so I was in tears and I said I was gay, but she didn't hear me and she thought my dad had died. So then right. I said, I'm gay. She was like, oh, phew. <laughs> she was like, phew. You know Wait, I'm conflicted. I don't know whether to be relieved or to laugh. That yeah. is such a beautiful parody. Yeah, literally. She was like, oh my God, phew. She was like, I thought your dad was dead. I was like, no, no, dad's fine. I'm just gay. She was like, oh, phew. <laughs> like, right, we can deal with that. Yeah, she was like, that's fine. Right. She was like, I just thought your dad was dead. And I was like, no, no, dad is completely fine. Right. So... It's someone good asked that she me even the, cared though. Yeah. Even like, because you know that some parents are just completely like, oh, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're not together anymore. Like they, yeah. they, they, I don't think they've been, they haven't even seen each other since my nan's funeral, which I was like, I think I was about 15. Mm. Um, and yeah, and so that was a big formative moment because I think that it made me, it made me realise, what it made me realise was that I, I didn't, the reason why I came out, because my mum was my best my best friend in the entire world, like me and her are literally so, so close. And people do ask me like, how come you, you wait until you're 18 when if you're so close? And I think for me, because I still wasn't 1000% comfortable with being gay, mm-hmm. but I wanted to come out to her and be like, I'm proud of to be gay. I'm proud of who I am. And I wasn't yet. And I didn't want that. There was that 0.01% where she may not be, happy with it mm-hmm. but at least then I could be like well I'm proud of who I am you were ready but I, I, I don't think I was at that point I think I, I did it and okay. the reason why I was crying was because I was literally apologizing to her as if mm. I'd done something wrong and she was like there's literally only for you to apologize we need to apologize for for wasting my time we're supposed to be grinding that that bathroom <laughs> <laughs> what, so like when you heard those words come out of your mum's mouth because that like you can never be 100% certain what the reaction is going to be so like in yourself, how did it feel when you heard your mum kind of just not have a problem with it? I don't think I registered it because I think I was still on the defensive. And even even to Christmas, end of last year, literally end of 2020, we actually got into a blazing argument because she just asked a question and I went mental at her mm. because there's still this thing in my head about I think the way that the world sees me, I take it out on my mum if she just asked a simple question. Mm-hmm. Like she asked a question about queer brook. Mm-hmm. I went absolutely bloody mental at her, ending up, I mean, I, I, and I end up having to apologise, and I, I, you know, and I, I will never forgive myself for doing that because she was actually so upset. She, she just asked me a question, but I think that around that time, yeah, there was relief, but I was still on the defensive. If if she said anything, 
then I would be get get my back up and then get aggressive and then be like, no, like that this because I was trying so hard to seem like I was comfortable with it and I was mm. I was chill. When really if I was comfortable with it, I'd just be like, Yeah, good question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fair point. So it was it was it was it was a relief, but there was still like the elements of me being like, oh, I'm I still I'm trying to This was just a start. But yeah, this was just the start, start of me then having to kind of also then just be a hundred percent comfortable with it. And I think maybe it wasn't really the right time for me to tell her because I, I wasn't 1000% comfortable yet. Got you. Do you know, I, I really appreciate that the relationship you have with your mum because mm. I have an incredible relationship with my mum. Like she, mm. I don't even know what to say. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, when it runs that deep and that yeah. pure, there, there aren't any words that could really express how the, the love and I think sometimes I have it feels a bit like survivor's guilt mm. that because my mum and my family have been so open and accepting sometimes I find it quite difficult to talk Ooh, about it because a, there are a lot of people who are not having that shared experience yeah. so I find it they don't have that same relationship yeah and so it's like I don't want to feel like I'm doing too much or I'm being insensitive but at the same token there's a fine balance between me being conscientious and actually speaking my truth too. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I found it super, super hard to... Balance that. Yeah. yeah. And like, like, like I said, I feel bad that I've got this sense of privilege. I've never... I've, do you know, I, I think you're actually amazing for even thinking that because mm. maybe I just because I'm selfish and I'm so proud of my relationship with mum, I've literally never once... Mm. thought about that and maybe that is going forward something that I should maybe think a bit more closely about because I, I I just think I love the idea of people seeing a really positive representation of a mother and her son and yeah. who's gay yeah um because she literally we, she is I she makes me laugh no like no one else I make her laugh like no one else we literally it was her birthday last week we went to Margate together we had a lovely little time mm. and um and I, I love showing that off and 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 showing the closest that I have with her because there was a, a few years where I, I kind of distanced myself because I was worried about how I would react to her if she said anything. And when I was at uni, I kind of disappeared for a little bit and was in my own headspace and mm. whatever. And and now I'm trying to make up for lost time in terms of like me and my mum, I, I try and see her as much as I can. And yeah. and yeah, but I do get what you're saying. and. and, and I mean, it's a diff it's a difficult one because sometimes I'm like, can I just be great in peace? Yeah, like, I don't want to. <laughs> I shouldn't true. have to. It's not. I'm not accountable for other people's circumstances. But yeah. all I'm all I am accountable and responsible for is living my truth and telling the truth. Yeah, that's in true. That. But it's like sometimes I just, just I do feel a bit awkward. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to fall on it in someone's face. And I'm like, do you know what? And I'm still haven't reconciled that. Yeah, I yeah. still haven't reconciled but that. It, but you might change your mind each week, like, exactly. and that's fine. And you know, that's but I just I just got so much energy hearing another queer person who somewhat looks like me. Like I feel like we're from the same community yeah. in, in so many different ways. And it's like, yes, big up mommy. I think yeah. I saw her on the video chat that time. Yeah, you met her. Yeah, yeah you yeah, met she her. Was in the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, shout she, out to her. Um, she's usually at every single queer brack as well. Oh my god! She that just is hasn't been to the ones this this year because she was on holiday for one of them, and then the other one I think she couldn't come. But she's usually at every single one. No, listen. She's actually know. on our Instagram. If you have a look, my mum is on the Instagram. She's twerking on my best friend. I am she, dead. She has, she has a rum and coke in her hand, and she's going like this. And this woman. <laughs> 
This She's is exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, no, sir. You got to invite me down. Listen, I'm going to, because like I said, I've never been. No, you've never been. Never but you, been. you'll get VIP treatment. Oh, ex- exceptional. The next one is, we'll talk about it. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> I've never been. So it's going to be like my first experience. And like, I would be absolutely honoured to come and just catch the vibes. Defo, defo. So if we, if like to kind of, we've looked a bit about your life and so on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, to kind of close this segment, how would you describe the difference between the young boy you killed and the man that you are now? Oh God, great question. Um, I think the level of confidence that I have in myself now, like don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I, I've been through a lot in terms of the way that I've looked at myself and the way that I, like, like I said to you when I said I was like kind of the ugly kid at school, I, I, I was a lot bigger than I am now. So mm. my, my nickname at school, everyone keeps cracking up at this, was Aquila Whale. <laughs> no, kids are awful. You know? Kids are so, but also no, that is so that is so smart. I'm sorry, but that is actually such a smart name. But it did cut me deep at the time. Now yeah. I can crack up at it. But yeah. but that then my second year of uni, having an eating disorder and going through all of all of this, that I still have these weird this body dysmorphia and this weird view of of the way that I look. Mm, but mm. I think there's a level of confidence now in me that I didn't have as a child. Um, and also then a pride in who I am in terms of race and in who I am in terms of my sexuality that I didn't have. And, and that, and that again, is like the whole point of why Queer Brack exists. And the whole reason why I speak about things like this is because that intersectionality of being a person of color and being queer, mm. I, we've, we've always been taught that, that they don't exist. And if they do exist, their relationships are flawed, mm-hmm. dangerous, mm. uh, dramatic, sad. Um, and so I've just always seen really awful representations of black queerness, but then also then like queer POC relationships. Yeah. Um, yeah. That what's so amazing now when you go on a night out, like you go to Queer Brack and you're seeing these like amazing brown, black and brown people kiss. <laughs> yes. You're like, see, that's what I want to see on TV. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, shit yeah. I want to see. Uh, listen, that is like, that speaks to like the broader vision for Meg Talks. Yeah. Because there's a, well, I think I mentioned it before. It's a podcast, but actually Meg Talks Entertainment is a company. Yeah. And I want to get into so many different, but I'm going to branch out into so many different things. And my thing is, is that I'm boldly challenging and treading on the toxic and damaging narratives that are forced <clears throat> upon POC, LGBT folk. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not fair. I'm like this narrative. I understand. I feel like it's kind of time limited mm. in no, not time limit. Like it reflects a certain period of time, but actually you see like the millennial experience and the Gen Z experience. I don't think it captures that in its no. entirety. And there's so much beauty and vibrancy and excellence and just mm. amazing things that are happen, happening. And I'm like, we, I'm going to be a part of challenging that yeah. and bringing, yeah, for sure. helping people to see like what I see and feel and experience every day. Yeah. And the joy of it as well. Mm. Like, but then also the realness of it, that there's sometimes there's not good days. You know? Do you know what? Right. So quickly, um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you start stories. You're like, so right. <laughs> so I, I, guys. So remember, if I take you back to episode whatever it was, and I was saying that my um my therapist ghosted me, so I have a new therapist. I'm back in therapy, guys. <laughs> I remember this. I remember we were talking about this actually. Yeah, my therapist fully ghosted me, and so I have a new one now, and she is black queer and. I don't know what her faith is, but she is deeply connected to Christian faith and can lean into that, which is beautiful for me because I'm black, queer, and I'm binary. And 
a holy rolling Christian, of course. So like she is just so incredible. And I spoke to her this week and I was saying, you know, because I'm in a really good place after I told mm-hmm. you I had like a funky couple of months and like that's just shifted. So she was like, you know, what would be a really good way for us to work together to add value? So I was saying that like, I want to be able to feel fully comfortable in my identity mm-hmm. anywhere I go. Mm-hmm. If, if she was like, okay, I'm going to break it down to you. That's not even possible. No, I was, and I was to like, say, yeah. Mm. And in my mind, yeah, I really, in my, what it elevated was that my belief system that like in the back of my mind, I really thought that this could happen. And positive it, energy. Right. You know, a bit too enthusiastic. And, <laughs> but it's like actually the reality of, you know, happy, your sense of happiness and joy stems well beyond what you're doing internally. There yeah. are so many external factors which play a role in how you And feel. can dictate a lot. Yeah, and yeah. we really went into it and it just kind of speaks to what you were saying about like just the intersections and the experience of what it is to be a person of colour mm. who's also queer. It is so complex, you know? And I I guess what I'm saying is, is that Part of that growth and journey for me is really understanding how people see me and being okay with that and really understanding I can't control how yeah. people see me and really trying to find peace. I find that hard to deal with. I find it... Uh, Relinquishing the... Con- like, not being able to control how other people react and see me. Mm. And, and it's like, if we did, how different would we behave? I'm a, I, would, I think it'd be a lot freer. Yeah. But I just, I just can't do it because I have to... I have to have people think of me how I want them to think of me, which is oh, just not humanly possible. I hear you. It's like, my dad said something to me years ago and it stuck with me. You know, he's like, do you have an image or does your image have you? And I was like, damn, dad. Like, okay. that your is, dad is too deep. That, my, my dad is the real, is he's, <laughs> love you, dad. L- love that, you, dad. <laughs> but that was really, really peak. Um, this takes me on to the re- a really good, that the next question actually. So, what are your experiences of living at the intersection of kind of culture and queerness? And how does that inform queer brook? Well, I think the culture of queerness is white. Right. <laughs> I, right. I think that part of the reason why queer brook kind of exists is because I'd go to like dance hall nights and I, I would receive homophobia. Mm. And I, and I, but then I would see more femme, smaller black men getting attacked and everything like that in in certain aspects or being mm. called names. Mm. But then equally, I'd go to like queer nights out and there'd be like three black people there. Yeah. And then a hundred white men. Um, not that many women either, which mm. is an issue. Um, and then I'd have men come up to me and talk to me specifically because I'm mixed race. Right. And specifically because that's what they're attracted to. Right. They don't, so they, they don't give a shit. How, I, how I'm feeling, asking me how I am. They just want to talk to me because I'm biracial. Mm. And then I'm literally like, I'm, I'm no better than handcuffs or feet. You know, I'm just a fetish. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the kind of culture of queerness, I think is so rooted in whiteness, but also white maleness. Mm-hmm. Like I, know, I get what you were saying earlier about how there's a lot of female led events like Lick and Les events and stuff like that. But I think for the majority of events that are happening are so steered towards men and white men being able to get off of each other and do what they do and go out. Um, that I, I think that for me, the reason why I did Queer Brock was to not just give a space to queer people of color, but also mainly to people that are non-binary, mainly to people, women, mm-hmm. to trans people, that it's not just focused on men, mm-hmm. which it was when I first started it. Because I, like I said, I saw, I went to these dance hall nights and I would see these femme 
black men and I'd say okay cool I want to start something for you guys mm. where you can be as femme as you want but then I realized actually a lot more of the a lot of people a lot of the people that responded to Queer Brock weren't just men like it was a lot of, of a range of people and so I was like I come I now have a, a duty to kind of make sure that I'm catering to everyone rather than just speaking to one aspect and yeah. one person within the community if you will yeah I do you know I respect that because the the scene at large does like you said it caters for I think white people and specifically white men at mm. large they listen they are like the world of kind of like patriarchy and all this kind of shit it, it exists racism <clears throat> and, and patriarchy exists within the mm. LGBT community and yeah. I think that and we don't so, like to believe it and it's so prevalent. So and when prevalent. you look at like, because one of the things that stands out for me is that there are hardly any black spaces. And I'm not talking about event nights. Mm. I'm talking about in terms of like actual clubs. Yeah, where, true. Or places that we know 24 seven that this building exists yeah. exclusively for whatever it might yeah. be. And that you could go there throughout the day because there's not many things that you can do during the day. It's a lot to get around yeah. that. And I'm like, we need to diversify that because there's only a very not even a small percent, but it's only a particular demographic that's truly being catered yeah. for. So when I saw the dance hall infused, I said, whoa, <laughs> this is, I know. I thought to myself, this might be a back, this might be the whole bag. And like you said, it, it the aesthetics just look very inclusive to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the whole vibe of, of Queer Brack. It's, it's meant to be inclusive of everyone. I don't want anyone to come there and feel like they're not being spoken for mm-hmm. and not being represented within it. Um, if if people do feel that way, then I would I would love for the people to say it. But I I I hope that what we've done is we've managed to create something that is representative of all. Our first event of this year, which was our first event in almost a year and a bit, it was a mate. We had almost a thousand people there. Mm-hmm. Almost a thousand people turned up, Jesus. which was insane. <laughs> Um, I think we clocked in 980 people mm-hmm. and there might have even actually been more than that. So it could have been over a thousand, but um, there was an event going on next door mm-hmm. that was very different. It was a lot of white men, but I think that what they heard was the dance hall mm-hmm. and didn't assume that it was a queer event. Right. And so a lot of these men actually end up being let in and they were being incredibly weird mm-hmm. with a lot of the, the women there. Right. And then this one girl came up to me and she was like, they're being so weird and leering at me and stuff like that. I had them kicked out instantly. Mm-hmm. But then this is the thing is that like, I now have to think about like, the bigger that Queer Brock gets, the more I'm going to have to really think about things like this. Like yeah. we have to make sure that the door is properly looked at and manned mm-hmm. and not just anyone. Because like, for instance, the best way to, that I was, the advice I was given is to, if there are people that are white turning up, ask them who they're coming to see. Like mm. the, what DJ they're, they're looking forward to seeing that night. Yeah, 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 yeah. If yeah. they're just saying, oh, we're just walking in, then it's probably best to be like, I don't think this is for you. Yeah. I honestly don't think that you're, this is somewhere that you're going to want to be. Because if all you're coming to do is just to leer at these at these queer women, then that's not, that's not you're, you're not supposed to be uh, here. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? I love the whole concept of like protect these spaces. Protect because them. Because there's, there's a fine balance between being inclusive and... Protecting spaces. Yeah, and then just letting any old people in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, that, yeah, I love that. I, I love, I love, 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 love. So, like, what has been, like, for you, one of your favourite moments in terms of Queer Brock, whether it be organising an event or actually 
I don't know, is it called execute an event? Or yeah, going to put it on, on the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say this, and I've said this to many people, I hate doing it. Mm-hmm. I hate, I like on the night, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm literally like an hour before doors open, I'm literally saying I'm going to cancel it. Mm-hmm. Because the stress is like, you know when at like 12 years old you had a birthday party and like no one was coming and mm-hmm. the people that did come up, you were asking them if they're okay and like, trying to make sure that everyone else is fine. Yeah. That's me. And I don't actually enjoy myself. So say doors open at 10, I don't enjoy myself till about 1am. Because I'm too busy, worried about how everyone else, if everyone else is having a good time yeah. and making sure everyone feels safe, everyone makes, feels comfortable. And yeah, that is something I do enjoy doing that, but it's stressful. It is. It's, it's that lead up. Oh God, the lead up is, is hor- int- horrible. It's, in- it's, it's intense because I did a lot of public speaking and it's like two, kind of two worlds apart. But I think it's, you know, if I'm doing public speaking or doing some kind of like facilitating or teaching or whatnot, there's all of this preparation that you have to do in advance. And ultimately you're putting yourself out there and it's like, oh yeah. my gosh, then if this is going to happen, if that's going to happen, then it is, it is intense. But I'm glad that you get to enjoy it because... Yeah, I do after a while. Um, what was What's good about these two that we've done this year, we've done them at the Colour Factory and they've got a space upstairs, like a green room. Mm. Sometimes I just go sit there and I'm like, I need peace. <laughs> I can hear a thousand people twerking downstairs, <laughs> but I'm sat up on my own just like... <sighs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I need a moment. I need so a like, moment. This actually, I'm gonna skip forward to this question because I feel like it's perfect timing. Yeah. This. So, like, what is actually what goes into creating this event? Because for the most, for the most part, people are gonna turn up with their ticket, dressed to the nines, and yeah. ready to flex. But they, their experience starts at the 10 moment, p.m. Right. You see when they're yeah. right. You see when they're in the line. Yeah. That's getting their ID. Yeah. That's when the night really kicks off. So, like, for them. what happens? Every every what is the whole process up until that point? So the process is talk to the venue, a venue. Mm. Um, I lock in a date. I then speak to one of my amazing black queer friends who are graphic designers or um, artists. Mm. I get them to design a piece of artwork for me. I make a mood board for them, like a really generic on PowerPoint mood board of what I kind of envision envisage mm-hmm. it looking like. Um, I send it to them. They send me a first draft. I make some edits. Then we have a poster. Mm-hmm. I've now, I've already, at this point, I would have already locked in the DJs. So if we're doing an event that's five hours, I try and book in about five DJs, one hour, or I'll do like an hour and a half and I'll book in like less, like maybe three to three to four DJs. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes have performers, but that's an extra like layer of, work and a bit bit more of a headache sometimes only because the logistics of having sound and a stage mm-hmm. and and everything like that so most 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 of the time I just have DJs um then uh we just do promo endless promo endless promo every day doing promo literally I go onto Tumblr mm-hmm. and I literally just try and find pictures that would look good on the Instagram and what use them yeah, yeah, as yeah. a I've actually just started making memes <laughs> I've made like three memes and they've done really well because it's literally like I've been like finding like black creators on who have made really amazing memes and then made my own one based around Queer Brock. So that's kind of helped. So it's just endless promo. I used to be able to, I used to work in PR. So I used to be able to get some of my PR um, um, journalist friends Mm -hmm. to be able to write a couple of articles and put it on the Instagram and stuff. But I've seen that most of the... um, most of the promo and success of it has been on social media mm. and on Instagram specifically because people, as soon as someone shares it, it kind of like other people see, other people see it. Yeah. 
we've got the Eventbrite link. So then we keep sharing that. Then we sell the tickets, yada, yada, yada. And then on the actual day is when I'm at, at my most stressed. Because um, then we um, go to the venue a couple of hours before. My cousin comes with me. The tradition is I go to my cousin's house. She lives in Islington. Mm-hmm. So I go to her house. She already has a couple of bottles of Prosecco there. She okay. opens me up one because I need to calm down. She's honestly trying to talk me down from a ledge because I'm literally like, I can't do this. Okay. I don't want to do this. And then we go to the venue. We help set up. But then we have some of the DJs come before. They do sound check. Um, then I show them up to the green room. They have some alcohol there to drink. They can sit. They can relax until their, their set is on. Mm-hmm. And then doors open. And okay. if it opens at 10, just going to be flat out honest, Black people are always late. So they don't come until about quarter to 12. So yeah. I'm for two hours, almost two hours, I'm there going, no one's coming. That no is one's coming. insane. Imagine that there's a whole venue and it's like there's a sprinkle and of salt and pepper. Empty. Oh my God. And my when anxiety I, the, the capacity of Colour Factory is like 900 people. So it's humongous. So there's a DJ. DJ You're triggering my anxiety right no, now. Just thinking about it. It's too much. <laughs> and so I'm stood there like rocking back and forth <laughs> going like no one's coming no one's coming and then literally there'll be like maybe four or five people there mm-hmm. in a 900 capacity venue mm-hmm. and then suddenly at like quarter to 12 the yep. queue the queue for color factory the first one was going round the block wow. it was mad with a couple of my friends who this is so dumb of my friends but they were like they messaged me two days after the after the event being like with a picture being like, oh we couldn't get in i was like i I run the event. If you had just texted me, I would have gotten you in. Right. And they were like, oh no, we, we didn't want to disturb you. I was just sort of like, oh, fuck off with that. Just text me. Yeah, I will let let, I'll know. get you, let me know. Because they were literally queuing like down the road. I was like, I would have come and got you out of the queue, brought you in, got you a drink. But yeah. It's so like, that's the whole what? process. I, even the starting point with like you speaking to an um, a event location and then yeah. looking in the day, I wouldn't even have thought that was the starting point. I, like I've generally had no idea yeah. how this works because I love a rave like i come from a, a lineage of ravers like, <laughs> yeah. my mum used to go to like secret location raves oh, and stuff like sick. that she used to work in like some bar on roller skates in the leotard trust, trust me she was out there i'm obsessed with I, your mom yeah she's like uh, she's wonderful and um yeah I, I i love raving but i've never known what it takes what, is, what goes and into especially, it i was also thinking this for like festivals because festivals and raves they're not easy to put on. No. They're not. And especially when, like, when you were talking about the, um, if you're having, like, performers or stuff like that, I was just thinking that's a whole other layer. It's a whole other layer. So, like, what kind of, like, what kind of um, guests would you have, like, or performers in a rave? Like, how would that, so what would that look like? Uh, the ones we did, uh, basically, uh, we did an event just before the pandemic, literally February 29th. We did an event. Mm-hmm. And what was it, like, two weeks later, the pandemic side right. here. So we did February 29th, 2020. We had Carnage Kills, Mr. Strange um, perform. Um, and so they're, they're queer, queer black artists who, and Carnage is in grime. Mm. And then Mr. Strange is a rapper. What? I need to, you need to bust Carnage me. Carnage Kills, unreal amazing. Mr. Strange, also really amazing. I think around that time, he'd actually just come out as well. Mm. Like, I think the end of like 2019. So then in mm. 2020, we were like, we wanted to be one of the first places to like book him for a yeah. performance. So yeah, they came and performed. Um, and then, but then what we've now started doing, which is, um, for the event that we had this year, we had actual like hosts, like Vogue dancers who can host, like host the event and just get people like, mm. and that was what we had at like the first one, which was incredible. And I think now moving forward, I think I'll always have hosts yeah. because they just make the, the vibe even bigger. 
and even better. They bring that energy. Yeah, they bring that energy. I do think I want to have more performances one day, but I don't... I, I want it to be <clears throat> just queer black artists and mm-hmm. they're they're not everywhere, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, and I obviously want to support the same artists, but I don't want to have the same artists every single time, you know? I hear that. I hear, it, you know, it speaks to kind of like the variety yeah. in the community right now. And I feel like in the next... 10 to 15 years, the variety, the selection is going to be there. Yeah, bigger. Because I feel, especially like for our generation and stuff, like where we've got the privilege to be able to present more visibly yeah. and just be who we are and to mm. not feel like we have to live within the confines of the margin. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's so many people in so many different sectors doing so many different so things. So many different like, things. I can't, I, I'm really excited. Listen, <laughs> when's the next event? So Halloween. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> Charlotte, Aaron, we're going wow. out. Charlotte and Aaron, I don't know you, but... We're going we're out. We're going out. out. So we're on the 30th of October. Okay. It's in Stratford. Nice. Um, at, at a venue called The Refreshment Rooms, a black-owned mm-hmm. venue, mm-hmm. Um, which is important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're doing it in collaboration with Jung- Jungle Kitty. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I saw the mics in the promo. Yeah. So well, the, we did, we did an event... Before. Before, which was right. called, because we're basically trying to go in this vibe where we're called Queer Kitty. And it's That's like cute. Queer Brock and Jungle Kitty presents. Yeah, yeah. Like we're Queer Kitty. And uh, the poster's coming out either today or tomorrow. Um, yeah. And it is a costume party. If people don't want to do costumes, literally you're not going to be turned away. But we encourage people to come dress up in spooky, oh, spooky clothes. My God. The kind of theme, is, it's basically called, this is exclusive because we've not even said this yet, but like it's going to be called... Um, uh, Queer, Queer Brack and Jungle Kitty presents a Queer Kitty Soul Train. No, don't and, fuck me uh, up. <laughs> and uh, it's basically like like a soul train, like you know, like souls, like a, a ghost train taking uh, you. Well, and, I'm not even going to say too much, but I wish a certain person was in town right now. You know, because uh, <laughs> listen, the dynamic duo would be insane. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be sick. Promo hasn't actually started yet because we're waiting on that poster but it's mm. being designed by an amazing I'm getting so excited my eyes are all warm I know I'm you're like, like, like what are you crying do you know what it is They're like me and my bridging yeah we used to go to this soul train event like once or twice a month yeah and like I'm so big into like Motown funk so anything that's just vibe eating from that yeah. era you know and yeah. I love the, the aesthetic yeah, it's amazing. Listen I, listen, I love the little button-down shirt, button-down to free. The chest the, out, yeah, the flared the trousers. The little medallion necklace. A lot of browns, a lot of right. uh, orange. Toe. Yeah, a lot of... Oh, mm. uh, listen. Love it. Fuck it all the way Fuck up. Fuck it up. Yes. I was thinking, I'm trying to think of what costume I'm going to wear. Because obviously, my the first event that we had this year, my auntie made my my top. And like, it was like this halter neck silver. I wore this silver do-rag. It was like amazing. I think I might have seen a picture on your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, looking, yeah. You look like you're living your best, best fucking life. life. I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly, I was literally saying it was one of the best days of my life. Like that event literally was like unbelievable. Because there was like so many people there. People were vibing. People were having a good time. Mm. I actually, for the first time, had a, had fun <laughs> at a yeah. queer rock event. Because usually I'm just like, logistics here, logistics there. This, that DJ needs to go on like next five minutes. I yeah. need to do this. Queuing everything. Queuing everything up. Do you know what? Yeah, I've just, I, something's just dawned on me. Like we have got, so I would say 54% of our listeners are in the UK. The rest are not. So uh-huh. like, let's break down a little bit what black British culture looks and feels like for you as mm. like as we are now at this age? Well, I think when, what we have to really kind of say is, that, again, if we go back to the intersectionality of it, mm. you can't really define 
it so primarily because black queer culture, mm-hmm. quotation marks, is so different to them black straight culture yeah. and everything like that. But I think the thing that unifies a lot of it is music. And I think a food and hair is, yeah. is like a, a massive thing. And I think that that was always for me as well. Cause you know, I'm, I'm light skinned. I'm, I'm, I'm from a, um, I'm from a, a mixed race woman and a white man and, mm. and whatever. But I think the one thing that I've, I've felt like has helped me kind of deal with my identity is my, is hair and conversations with other, other people of color about hair and everything mm-hmm. like this, which I think is quite beautiful. But, but black British culture, I, I think is just vibing to music. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. that's, that's primarily what it is and having an understanding about, about where our, our, our pride comes from in our, in our, in our race and everything like that. I think that that is a lot of it as well. I think, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just always having a vibe about you. Yeah. Agreed, 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 agreed. Like I feel like if I was to define black British queer culture, it's it's super, super creative. And like it's immersed in the world of like arts and culture. Yeah. Like the two things can't be separated at any point. Um, I think that it's We're all artists. Like right. We're all artists. All artistic and fabulous, of course. Literally. I feel like you see the way like fashion and clothing and way that we present ourselves is it's a big thing. And I feel like in the UK, we have such privilege when it comes to access of clothing and being able to kind of mix yeah. and blend and stuff. So like the aesthetics are there. Are there the are hair, there. the hair is, especially with like, like Afro hair, Afro textured hair or anything mm. that's got Afro hair included in it. Like we can do so much with our hair. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? We can do so much. So that's a whole nother thing. Dancing, thing. like dancing and skinning up yourself. Yeah. Like you need, <laughs> <laughs> all of those things like the music the food like but also what i would say is is that in the uk blackness is blackness but then there's also looking at you've got the caribbean islands you've got the african um the african continent however when you're in a, in a when you're in the diaspora space ultimately you're all black yeah and like whether you're nigerian or not and dex adapters on you're gonna be <laughs> skinning out or when you hear spice skin out me boom boom listen all black people react in the same way in yeah. the UK to that. That yeah. is a trigger song. Yeah. The gun fingers it's in the air shit. and yeah. the back starts to, you <laughs> yeah. understand? It's so true. So like those are the things, but I also feel like there's um, like a mild anxiety amongst us because we know the fuckery and we know the risk. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It doesn't. And then the risk comes from, you know, the prevalence of like racial oppression, but also internalized homophobia within our own black communities. Yeah. So I feel like there is that. Of, of like acting too much. Yeah, doing too much. Doing too much. You know, yeah. you're just to- trying to tone yeah. it down and simulate almost. Yeah. So I feel like that creates. That's where the freedom of of our nights come from as well. Yeah. Being so like, able I'm to not literally really being do the co- most. I'm not really being that cohesive, guys, in my depiction of it. But I think even that explains it. It's just so vast and it's so many yeah. things. But one thing. I think then, sorry to interrupt, yeah. like the, one of the key differences as well that I think about when it comes to black British culture, so like black American culture is that we have such an understanding. Obviously this is a generalization of mm. understanding of where we've come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. we have, and I think that we always take pride in in that. For instance, like you have someone from Camero- the Cameroon, mm. Cameroon, and they're so proud in that, but they're still part of a big, a, a wider black experience. Yeah. Someone from Nigeria, mm. someone from St. Lucia, mm. they're so proud of that and they're proud of the heritage and the way that they've been raised. And there are differences with them, but then ultimately there's something that all links us together. Yeah. It, and I think that's what, that's what 
in the UK, the culture of the UK, the white British culture creates that unification amongst black people where we're just black. Shepherd's pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, legit, no, no I, I, I rock. Mm, thank you for unpacking that and helping yeah. me to decide that because I understand that maybe not everybody has an understanding or visibility of our community. And I don't want it to be just my depiction or my explanation of what that is. Yeah. I think I might lay that into every guest, you know, to kind of help people to really get an understanding of what our experiences yeah. are. But I think lastly on that, sorry, mm-hmm. um, is that, and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot, that even like dance hall, Afrobeats, whatever, that's not just the only thing that defines a black person. Yes. There's, again, like with Afropunk, there's a lot of alternative mm-hmm. black kids and a lot mm-hmm. of alternative black people. That FKA Twigs. FKA Twigs, perfect representation of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have so many different layers to what it is to be black and British and to be black in general. Mm-hmm. So the representation of them all is really, really important. And that's yes. why something like Afropunk is so great is because it's like, yeah, what we'll do is you can skin out mm. just over there. Then also you can rock out yes. over there yeah, yeah, and, pit and mosh the pit all the way. Yeah. And you can literally do whatever whatever you want because it, not one thing defines you as being black. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I, lo- I love that for us. That yeah. we're able to be in one space and like we can flex, flex yeah. in between things and unleash that side because I... As a teenager, I was heavy into rock. Yeah. Like, like metal, is that there? Yeah. If you know about System of a Down to a Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> you're my people in it. Because listen, I will fuck it up in that mosh yeah. you know, acting <laughs> savage. <laughs> yeah, listen, you see me jump on the stage and just fling yeah. off. Just <laughs> take myself and crowd stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I love that. But there was something I wanted to also get a definition from you. You know, how would you define queer queer brat for someone who hasn't heard of it before and they're thinking, hmm, is this a space for me? How would how would you d- present that to them? I think for me, how I, the best way that I describe it is it it's kind of like um, shortening the bridge between Not Hill Carnival and Gay Pride. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of blending those two things together in a way that it is like there's there's so much pride mm-hmm. at Notting Hill Carnival yeah. and this in being person of colour there's so much pride at gay pride Mm -hmm. at being queer so I wanted to just bring those two things together and have them blend into one thing rather than it being like they have to stay separate because they don't have to be separate they can be together because that is gonna say the future of queer brack is I want to have my own festival oh my gosh that's that's, that's the dream yeah is I want to to run a festival and have a festival in London slash the world Mm -hmm. and have it like a Notting Hill Carnival slash, because obviously we've got UK Black Pride, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I would love to do like some sort of collab with them and whatever, but a festival and especially a festival outside of the Pride months. Yeah, that's that's but, important. I don't want to do it during Pride month. I want to do it in any of the other months because I want it to show that we're not just proud for one month. Yeah. We're not just queer for one month. We're queer all year round. And yeah. so we're going to have the same party where we're going to act queer as fuck. And black as uh, fuck. In... And um, I need this festival to happen. I know it's we, it's the dream. It's by coming. the way, the community, we need this. We need. We're this. waiting. We need this. I I got you guys. <laughs> so like, I guess when you're thinking about the future of queer black, you've started to kind of go into already around like alternative ways of socialising and having fun. So the likes of festivals and stuff. Are there any kind of partnerships or collaborations that you would love to you would love to see happen? Well, I'd I'd like to partner with more. Um, sober spaces. Yeah. Um, I think that we, as people who run nights and do events, we have, do have a duty of care to create spaces 
that can cater to different types of people. And I would love to do more sober events. I want to do, I want to, I love arts and crafts. I'd love to do lots of arts and crafts stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to do events where people can come, they can meet. Because the first and foremost, what Queer Brack is about and what a lot of these queer nights are about is literally there's not many other places for queer people to meet each other. Because mm. you like, you can go into a coffee shop, but you don't know who's queer there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can yeah, go into yeah, a yeah. library, you don't know who's queer there. At least when you're in a queer space, for the most part, chances are, chances are, most of the people here are queer. And so you can make friends and you can talk to someone. Mm. So I'd like to do more where it was literally like, you can come and you can, you don't have the pressures to have to drink. Yeah. And you can do something that is not, because some people don't like to rave. Do you know that is, this is, this is, an important part. I'm not gonna spill the beans on it too much, but guys, stay tuned because you're gonna hear, you're gonna see some stuff around the importance of sober spaces and why it's important. I bring, I'm gonna be bringing some visuals to you guys soon. Nice. Stay tuned. But I think it's no secret to man that I've had a very incredibly wild raving experience. <laughs> there was like five, six years of absolute madness, and I had to put myself on time out. Yeah. I, I found my, I was climbing through to. my mum, I broke into my mum's house, climbing through the kitchen window with in stonewashed jeans, covered in red wine, with, <laughs> having lost my coat and my keys. And yeah, I dropped in the sink and kicked the tap off and got, and got wet up. Right. So that's, that was the moment. And where that was I, just yesterday. <laughs> well, <laughs> so like that was when I decided I need to go on time out yeah. because my behaviour is getting more and more extreme and my yeah. boundaries are getting far and far a few between. Yeah. So there was a free, about a three year period where I went out very, considering I was out going out Friday and turning up on Sunday somewhere. Like I would go out maybe a couple times a year. And that was because wow. I wasn't aware of sober spaces because I couldn't trust myself and my behavior because I know what I can be like. Yeah. So having sober spaces like that for people, I know I would really appreciate it. And it's kind of like having the opportunity to mix and blend. Mm. So if I want to have like a little Prosecco night out with the girls, I, I can do that. But equally, if I want to be able to do something that maybe it's not even to do with raving, but it allows me to come together and yeah. interact, I'm completely yeah. here for that. And don't get me wrong, we're still gonna have a DJ there. Ooh. We're still gonna have vibes. Pull it, like, pull it, pull it's it. not gonna be like, okay, cool, we'll just have music off. <laughs> Could <laughs> you imagine? Silence. No, it's still gonna have the same essence of queer brack where we're gonna have a DJ there who's yes. gonna play all the same music, maybe on a le le less of a you know get up and twerk vibe, but mm -hmm. more on more of a kind of like slow reggae jams and, and kind of like high life mm -hmm. and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. What? But <laughs> but it will still have the vibe and it will just be a little bit more considered. Quick point, side note. When you start um, issuing membership cards and black cards, just <laughs> let me know because I, I, well, I'm here for all of this shit. Like I'm here well, for- Well, that's, that's the next dream is that I would love to open up my own place, like my own bar. I'm here for that. Uh, that's, that's again the, the dream. And then obviously you'll get first, first dibs on the black card. Question. This might seem a kind of off piece here, but yeah. we're kind of in. We're talk, We're in the. I feel like the raving energy is in the room, you know. Yeah. So, like, what have been some of your favorite raving spots today? Well, this is the thing though, because I kind of had my sort of queer. I went to uni in Brighton, and I had my kind of queer awakening in Brighton, and so like the the kind of white spaces there were kind of where I kind of had that moment of understanding that nights out are something that I do enjoy and mm. and everything like that. But um, and I didn't really actually go out that much in London, you know, because I didn't. I actually, I, <laughs> I, I got drunk when I was fifteen, for the first time. Didn't drink again until uni. Wow. When I was literally like almost nineteen. No, that's like eighteen. 
And um, then that's when I started going out. And then when I moved, then I moved to Spain after uni again. Then I moved back, and then I, I just kind of go to. I've started working in PR, and so I would just go to places like that. But I, I, I don't, I can't really tell you anywhere, nec- like necessarily here. But I do love how like the kind of queer R and B spaces like Hardcock Life, Bootalicious was great. It's great. Uh, is is it still going? Because I remember I think they did an event recently. You know. Do you know when I started raving? When I think about the music climate at the time, it was like when Buster Rhymes come out with "Touch It, Bring yeah. It Back," oh, I was just and, like, and you know, like Amory, there's just one was thing that's got me tripping. And I yeah. remember being in Booty and Vauxhall specifically. I think what was the location? I can't remember what the place was called, but it was like the original, original location, and it was fire. Yeah, I rem- there were certain songs where I just where I timeline it and think. There was a lot. That was a moment for me. Yeah. yeah like, and the thing is, like, I remember the club just, like, Ying Yang Twins was a big oh, thing. And it's like, there were certain club great. bangers, like, um, see, Little John and yeah. all of that kind of That was just so perfect for club For that bangers. time as yeah, well. That, was... that moment in time. Yeah, so yeah. true. And I'm, I'm thinking, that, so I remember, like, Carabana. I remember Sugar Rush was around for a little bit as oh, well. Oh, yeah. What else was there? I'm, I'm, Wednesdays at Heaven. Wednesdays at Heaven, yeah. You know, um, I, I remember downstairs at GAY, where that's where the Gallem was. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, I was t- I was talking to someone yesterday, yeah, and I was saying that I got moved to by a drag queen and nearly fainted. And I'm not even joking that like, the person grabbed my ass before. So <sighs> when I turned around it, and I was like, I was kind of like really taken back. And I felt this big old hand on my booty. I was like, <laughs> this oh big my old, not this God. big old hand. Yeah, it took up my whole bum cheek. I was <laughs> like, and then like, they were just putting it on me, thick and heavy. And I was with my girl at the time. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I just kind of clammed up. And I was like, oh my God, I feel really hot. And I had to leave. I started to feel woozy. I was like, this drag king <sighs> just put me on a spot, boy. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I never went back after that. That yeah. was too, that was a bit Well, you've had, you've had more drag queens come on to you than me. <laughs> <laughs> wait i've got a question actually yeah something that i saw on your instagram which this my heart sang because i'm really into fitness i, lo- I yeah. love a gym i love a gym love a gym and i love hip yeah hip, high intensity interval training for anyone who's not sure yeah love now hip. i saw something on your instagram like there was like a collaboration at some point yeah queer brock i think it was body part hip no good? no it was at your beat Right, right, right. Yeah. Talk to me on it. So there's this, um, uh, my friend Ryan, he mm-hmm. started this thing called Not Dead Yet, which is basically like an app and a platform that basically um, brings together queer nightlife scenes and then fitness studios. Is it still up and running now? Yeah, they still do some. I think we're, we're going to be doing another another collaboration at some point. Mm-hmm. But, but, but basically what it is, is we collaborate with At Your Beat, which was started by an amazing guy called Joel, mm-hmm. who's black and queer. And he has this thing called At Your Beat, which is basically like a dance studio, but then mm-hmm. it's like different um, disciplines, different dances going on. And yeah, so we did a collab event where we got a DJ. Uh, we got Donny... Um, Donny Sunshine for anyone who's an incredible DJ to come and DJ at one of their studios and then played all the same music as Queer Brock and then they, we did a, a literally a dance class um, a dance like high intensity class yeah. like as part of it we it was need, unreal how my let me t- imagine if there was like a queer the gym for queer POC people and don't worry that's always like also that. on my mind oh for the future God. let me tell you something I would have my cheeks would have a six pack <laughs> <at this point. laughs> are cheeks. you crazy ready to grab 
by some big ass hands. Oh my god! <laughs> no, but I've, well, we're, we're nearly at time. That conversation. Oh, this is great. Flowed. This conversation has flown. But are there any things like you've, you've mentioned the Halloween joint that's happening? Is there anything else that the people them should be looking out for? And plug yourself. Where can they find you? Yeah. So one other thing that mm -hmm. we have, which launched yesterday, mm -hmm. um, my cousin moved to Kenya. And she runs her own dance studio over in Kenya called the Dance Shags. And um, she basically, what they do, they have this kind of like online subscription service where you can literally pay a small amount of money. And it's a kind of acts like a Netflix almost, but for dance. Right. And you basically have access to all these amazing, um, beautiful, like honestly, high quality made films, dance films. And we did a collab collaboration with Queer Brock where we literally did like a representation of the queerness in Kenya and in Africa as a whole. And we had um, this amazing trans woman speak in the film and everything like that, which actually it launched yesterday. So you can go on to there, the dance shags spelled dance and S-H-A-G-Z. Mm -hmm. um, and you can access this film, which is incredibly beautiful. I feature in it. Um, and so there's more, you pay, you pay like, I think it's like five pounds for the subscription for the month per month and you get access to all these amazing dance films and you can use them as like fitness because mm -hmm. they basically help you train or just as an amazing like film as well. So that launched yesterday, 1st of October. Congratulations. Yeah. It so sounds that's, like a really interesting piece of work. Yeah. What we wanted to do was just kind of show the representation of like queerness in Africa, mm. but then also the kind of differences or similarities between queerness represented in UK and queerness represented in Africa. Yeah. So it was interesting because we did like an Instagram live and we we spoke to different people, one in Colombia, one in Kenya, and one in the UK about like what queerness means to them, what blackness means to them. Mm. So yeah, it's just a really amazing thing. Support us if you can and watch the amazing film. There's like a, a sneak peek on our Queer Brack Instagram if you want to go see it. Um, it's really, really good. People. Akil's been in the building <laughs> where Brock has brought the vibes again. Again. You know, so what's your IG? Where can the people then find you? Um, so for Queer Brock, at Queer Brock, B-R-U-K. And then me, it's Akil, um, O-A. So A-K-E-I-L-O-A. -A. Yes, 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 yes. Make sure you go over and support. And listen, if there's any of you that want to touch the dance, but you listen, you might not have someone to go with or you're, do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, there's a few people that have got loads of straight friends or DM me because listen, I'm touching down in it. So I, I always say, if you need a brethren, if you need a friend, DM me. Yeah, and I'll yeah. definitely come and link you up in the dance. We'll, yeah. have a good, we'll have a good time, man. And I'm I'm really nice as well. So if anyone yes. wants to come and talk to me, I'm literally... This baby boy I, is fantastic. I may be stressed, but I'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> like saying hi, smiling, like this pulsating baby. Literally, I'll be like, uh, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, let's twerk in a second. I just have to go get this person a drink. <laughs> um, do you know one thing I didn't ask? Where did the name Queer Brock come from? So I was actually going to talk about this earlier because obviously I, I'm I'm like, I'm Afro, I'm West African, so yeah. it's like the word is Brock is specifically Caribbean, mm -hmm. and people were like, oh, why did you not call it something that was African? And I was like, well, Queer Shaku doesn't have the same ring to it as <laughs> Queer Brock. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I I literally I thought of the name. I would say maybe six years before mm -hmm. I even started the night. I just wanted something that was so specifically like gay as fuck mm. and something that was black as fuck yeah. and put them together. And I do actually think that the name of the night has served it so, so well. It, people know exactly what it is yeah. when 100. they read the name. One, it, it is what it says on a can. 
It literally, it does what it does what it says on the tin. Like, I know what brack is because I understand what bracking out is. Yeah. yeah, and if it's queer and it's bracking out, it has to be. Black. It has to be black. It has. Yeah. It ha- this has to be yeah. a black thing. The name was. It's the most perfect, mm. perfect name. Like it was, it just nailed it, I think. So well, well done to me. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But um, nah, thanks for coming through. This, oh, thank you for having I me. I was saying that like, this, Akil was the first male guest we've had, guys. And like, I'm fully trying to diversify the thing. You've, you've, you've really ticked the boxes. North London. <laughs> I know. Mel, I'm literally well. the most, I'm literally, I'm like such a good you, quota. You, yeah, you ticked all the email <laughs> boxes, the, yeah. right? Right Literally. now, thanks for coming through. I've had the time of my life. You know? Me too. You coming back? Been... Yeah, I'll come back. Listen, we need to have a little... We, we need a part two. We, <laughs> we do, we do. People, let us know in it. Let us know in the comments here what you're saying. Should we get a kill back? Because this has been fantastic, man. Yeah, this has been I, good. I, I, I thought like we could talk. We, we could talk, We could you talk know? for hours. Yeah. Right, listen, if we had a little Campari, a little <laughs> rum. <laughs> That's true. If we had a couple cocktails here, we would actually be... Vibing listen, even more, vibing right, even listen, more. The, the skullduggery and the debauchery would have <laughs> to the max, right? To the max. <laughs> we, we have, we're just we're just warming up. The next episode, I'm sure, will be a lot more crazy. Yeah, but guys, you know where to find me. It is Meg at Meg Talks on Instagram. You can listen to every single episode on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Anchor and web browser. I don't even know what that means, but apparently on the analytics, you can do that too. Um, but yeah, man, come follow me up, follow me up, follow me up. And I've actually got a call to action, my people. I've got a call to action. So I see all of you folks are listening, listening, listening. Come and follow me over on Instagram. Come join the community because there's so I put so much content out, mainly on the stories. And the stories are always supporting narrative, of the of of the episode of that week. So last week when we had the Jamaica special, there was so much stuff. Pop can't watch my stories, you know. I nearly passed out and died. No way. On my listen, wow, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Yes. Yeah. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I nearly passed out. I was like, for me, it, that's important because whether he knows it or not, he's looked on a queer, um, queer black British yeah. Instagram. Like yeah. that's what that when we talk about visibility, it's that, that's it, mental. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it means everything to me. And like, some of my friends were like, yeah, that's kind of lit. But I'm like, no, no, no. Keep, you're not pissing on my bonfire. No, friends. no, no. Yeah, stay over this there. This is big. Right, right, yeah. right. But um, yeah, guys, come and follow me up on Instagram and let's build the community. Let, let's build the community. So manners and respect every time. And I'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.